Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. No matter what they were experiencing, they never gave up. My guests from over this entire globe have so many different experiences and yet there is that common thread of hope that runs through each and every story. I personally believe that everybody has a story. Everybody has been successful in some way at overcoming something dramatic or traumatic in their lives. Many of my guests have survived incredible circumstances. And they all have that common thread of passion. Passion to help others who may be going through something similar. Some have survived extreme poverty, abuse, they've some had to overcome serious depression or disease or loss, and all of them had to fight in some way to be survivors. This show gives them the opportunity to share those stories, and they also give us tips and they give us encouraging words on how to not just survive, but to thrive. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries and it still maintains the number one rank on Google searches on the subject of hope. So no matter where you live, we all need to hear stories that will encourage us and give us hope. So I thank my guests, of course, each one of them is unique and special and has a great story to share. And of course, I thank my listeners because without you guys, we wouldn't have a show. Today with me, I have Denise Anderson. Denise is a life coach, a mentor, a speaker, and an author. Now her book really got my attention because it painted a word picture and that the name of her book is Small Town Divorce, A Roadmap Through Devastation, Despair, and Drama. See what I mean? <laughs> it definitely is a road because all of a sudden you see this small town and you see people, you know, whispering behind people's backs and, and, and shunning you. And I can't wait to hear how you managed to get through that and also to share your book and other things with my audience today. First question, Denise. Going through a divorce when you live in a small town mm. is certainly extremely difficult. Going through it and how you go through it are two very different things. Now you have 
held your head up high and you did not succumb to the negative drama. So paint that picture for us. Well, I certainly will. And you're right. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're going through that divorce. Divorce is never easy and it's never fun. Um, but going through a divorce in a small town just adds an extra special dynamic. And so I cannot say that um, I went through the entire divorce being able to hold my head up high. I ov obviously did succumb to the opinions and criticism and small town talk that was going around about me, my ex-husband, our divorce and our and our situation. So it certainly wasn't always um, easy, definitely not. And again, just just not not a fun thing to go. You know, you go you go to the coffee shop and people are looking at you, or you go to get right. your groceries. You know, the dynamic of a small town, you can't escape. It doesn't matter where you go. I mean, this town only had fifteen hundred people, so you know everybody knows you. It doesn't matter what activity oh you goodness, have. Yes, I know everyone knows your name. What you know, and they certainly know your story. And of course, you know what they don't know. Well, they. They take it upon themselves to make it up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's called judgment. It is called judgment. It is. And, you know, it's just become so darn acceptable in our culture is, you know, one of the reasons why I felt so passionate about writing this particular book is I, I do want to call people out on that and the effects that it has on, on people's lives. And how do you do that? How do you call people out on that? What do you do? What do you say? Do you know what? So I just recently spoke at an event in a small town. I just speak directly to it. It's what I said was nobody died and made you judge and jury of somebody else's life. We're all looking at life through our own particular lens. So whatever, you know, your own experiences have been or to whatever degree you have grown, matured or not, the, the, the judgment or the opinion that you give is only based on that level. It's not it's not the truth. That's not an absolute truth. And you know, let's unravel judgment and underneath judgment, what is that about? If you're judging somebody else, how are you actually feeling about yourself? Now, has that made an impact? Has it ever come back to you like through feedback or something that that actually has helped somebody? Yes. Like I'm um, calling awesome. somebody else on their judgment yes, absolutely yes. yes that's interesting I just recently had a young woman who's been going through some stuff in a small town and she stood up in front of the whole group of people and she had just finished <laughs> reading my book and she had just finished watching my Facebook live and she said I said what you said to say and it had such an impact and she said that she had a friend call her back after and say wow that took so much courage and it does but it's it does empowering, take, isn't it? Oh, so much so. Very that, much so. That's Oh, I really am yeah. glad to hear that. Now, yep. shortly after the divorce, you said something that I would, I'm going to quote you here, and then I'd like you to address that, because I think this is right along with what we're saying. I felt incapable, incompetent, stupid, scared, unworthy, and unlovable. And my thoughts became very negative and dark. I struggled to think of one positive aspect of myself or one good thing that I had ever done besides giving birth to my two boys. I kept coming up short. And I soon came to hate everything about myself. 
I fell into a deep depression. That was the quote. So when you went through that divorce and, and you you tried not to succumb, you know, to those to those negative comments, etc. At what point then did you go through this and and walk us through that story? So it would have been about several years later. Oh, oh really? Really? Yes. Yes, it was. And it wasn't until I actually removed myself from that from the town and I had moved into a larger city. Um, I had a private art collection that I was selling and I was just giving myself access to, to more customers. So I had moved and then I was spending a lot of time by myself. So there wasn't any distractions. And it was a, a moment in my life where I just got very real and very honest okay. um, with what was going on with me. I, I, I don't believe that I actually knew the effects and how low that I actually was until I removed myself and I was left, you know, on my own. And and what I found is I'm certainly not blaming anybody at all for anything that was said or done. But when people have judgments or criticisms, they it feeds in to your already, you know, either low self-esteem or, you know, when you're questioning yourself or doubting your worth and then somebody says something, it's, it adds fuel to the fire. Right. There's already a yes. burning flame inside of us. This unworthiness, this unlovability, not good enough, not smart enough. We start questioning our intelligence. We start questioning every decision we've ever made. And then you hear things and then it just adds to that. It adds to that fire. So, you know, as you were reading that, Carol, I could just feel in my heart like it took me back to that mm. moment, to that place. And being there, and I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to this, when you get to that place, you never imagine that you could be the one that gets to that place. Right. You know, it's always somebody else. It's somebody else's story that you hear, somebody else's story that you read about. And then I'm like looking at myself in the mirror one day going, how in the name did I get here? How did this happen? You know, because I'm a very upbeat person. I love life. I've always loved life. But here I am, you know, literally unable to hold my head up high, hold my head up off the pillow, you know, get out of bed in the morning. Couldn't, couldn't do it. Just fell into a really dark, deep depression. And it was paralyzing. It was absolutely paralyzing. And as, as hard as I tried, I couldn't find one positive thing about myself. No thought came to mind at all. Anything that I would try to like one area of my life that I, I would think, well, you know, you're good at this. Nope. My mind would find something in every aspect of my life where I failed, come up short, disappointed people, hurt people. Um, yeah, it was it was a very, very dark, depressing and difficult time for me. Now, obviously, you're not there anymore. No, ma'am. And there are a lot of people who may be going through this right now. So what can you give us some keys on how you pulled yourself up out of that? The very first thing that I did was acknowledged where I was and I reached out to a very, very dear friend of mine. I was brutally honest. I never held anything back. I told him how low I was, what I was feeling and what I was going through. And he he helped me to reach out for help so I, I actually hired my own coach I helped I had a friend or he introduced me to somebody that did a process called mind mechanics 
so I really got into learning about the brain and and how it works and where those thoughts are coming from and what experiences that I had been through in the past that were now coming and affecting me in in the present moment so I did a lot of work um, on on my mind I, I started studying quantum physics the plasticity of the mind and just being able to make adjustments in the way that I saw things, I really started to grow my perspective on how I was seeing things. And so working with my own coach, working on my mind, working on, you know, the beliefs that I have about myself was absolutely instrumental in me pulling myself out of that depression and surrounding myself with um, upbeat people and people that were aware of what was going on for me that were able to offer me the love and support that I needed at that time. Now, do you address this at all in your book? Uh, not that particular incident, but other emotional okay. uh, things that people go through and definitely the thoughts in our minds. There's a whole chapter dedicated to the thoughts in our mind and how we can work with those thoughts. Why don't you give us a couple examples of say an opinion or judgment that you had to deal with and how you deal with that when it happens that someone else might be able to relate to okay so i've done a lot of uh, work with um uh, the lady's name is byron katie so she always gets you to question the thought that arises so is it true so someone has um an opinion or somebody says something about you like let's say you know she's not a very good mother you know she's abandoned her children so I question that thought. So is it true? Is it true that you're a bad mother? And then the, the next question is, do you know for 100% certainty that it's true? And when I asked it the second time, it's like, well, no, that isn't true. It's not true that I'm a bad mother. And then I was able to find all the areas in my life where I've been an absolutely fantastic mother and all the great things that I've done with my children and how I've absolutely been there for them and have taught them so many things so questioning that thought is it true so just because somebody is saying something about you is it true take a really honest look at what's being said and search that out and now the other part of this Carol is you know what sometimes people say stuff and it's like you know what I do have that tendency you know what, mm-hmm. you know, the, we can learn a lot about ourselves as right, well. Right, right. If we're very open to it, there, there's another aspect to it. We can learn things about ourselves, but without falling into like this deep depression of like, okay, that's like ultimately who I am. That's the other pointer that I'd like to get um, to, to your listeners is when something is said and whether you've done that thing or not, or that is a tendency of yours or not, what you must remember is that it's not who you are. You may have had a moment in time when you've done something, because we all have. We are not perfect human beings. I call it, we're perfectly imperfect. So we've all said things and we've all done things that we're not proud of. But what people really need to remember is that those things do not define. And if you're in a really low place, how do you pull up your bootstraps long enough to believe that? You know, when you're getting, when you're bombarded with those negative thoughts or someone else, you know, suggesting those negative things into your life and you're at a really low spot, is there anything that you can do to turn that around? Because even trying to convince yourself, as you just said, you know, that that is not true, 
you still have to believe that that is not true, correct? You, you do. You do. And you, and you do want to get your mind set to a place where it can find the evidence where that isn't true. Okay. Now, what I do believe, Carol, is very, very important is if somebody listening is in that type of place, it has to, has to become the most important thing of your day that you are reaching out for help, surrounding yourself with positive loving support and constantly reminding yourself of the worthiness that you are looking for evidence all day long of why you are a worthy human being okay why why you you know it, it's like being born is is a, you're given right to be worthy and just going over that like constantly like it's not about anything else i mean exercising and getting fresh air doing things that actually feel really positive and taking a lot of self-care and that's something we're not taught we were taught that that was a luxury to take care of ourselves if there's if there's time left over at the end of the day then you can do some self-care you can do something that you enjoy it's, it's almost like a reward whereas i want to tell people it's a necessity it's a necessity for all of us but especially for someone who's in a very very low spot is taking the time for self-care taking care of your physical body your physical well-being and being very very mindful of the thoughts that you tell yourself you know what this is an exercise i actually give my clients is to buy two plants and um the one plant you want to put out in the sun and you want to water it every day and you want to talk to it you want to you know you want to talk it to it very lovingly positively tell the plant great things what you love about the plant and the other one um, you're not going to give any attention to and it's a practice in that's how you want to speak to yourself how you're speaking to that plant the things that you say to love and nurture and have that plant grow and be healthy and abundant is the way you speak to it so it's like the plant that you're um, neglecting is you're leaving behind all the negative thoughts all the images that you have of yourself of being a bad person or any you know ill thoughts that you have about yourself is with the other plant and the other plant you water and nurture every single day and it's like a self-care for yourself and yeah my clients have had a lot of success with that in changing their thought patterns also they can see it totally it's a tangible thing it's outside yes. of their minds yes. yes exactly Boy, that's exactly. off. Did you come up with that all by yourself? I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you get a gold star for the class. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> now, one thing that I'd like you to address is how this, this whole scenario that you've been painting here affects us unconsciously. Mm, I love that question because obviously it's unconscious. So this is where people are not aware of where it's affecting them. And so what I've found out through my own experience, also talking to people and working with clients who are telling me about their stories is they end up not being able to live the life that they want to live. So unconsciously, so they stop going out very often. So they're scared to go down to the grocery store. They stop meeting their friends for coffee. They don't attend social events. So they start pulling back from society, from their day-to-day -day life because of that fear of, of rejection or being the talk of the town. Maybe they have lost face, you know, at the office or in right. their small town, right? Maybe something has gone down. 
And what they do is they end up retracting and pulling back. So on, so they might not be, you know, aware of it. They're just thinking, oh, you know what? I just don't feel like going out. Oh, yeah, I'm just not, you know, just not in the party mood tonight. Just not. So it's really easy to slough off and not recognize that they're really hiding behind a really big fear. That's a very good point. And fear is most definitely a huge factor in this whole thing. Uh, I think it's key. Yes. I really do. Right? It's that fear of rejection, that fear of not being accepted by the tribe. Yes. Right? This tribal, you know, that fear of being rejected by the community, like you're not like us or you've done something, you know, out of sync with the community or with the tribe. I mean, imagine a family, you know, your son comes out that he's gay and you're in a small town. I mean, right. it's... it's in the beginning it was hard enough for them to even come out anywhere in a large city but Mm -hmm. in a small town when you're different and you've got stuff that's going on your small community or wherever you know you know i've had a friend read a a friend that read my book and he lives in a large city and he said this does not just apply to people who live in a small town it's the same dynamics wherever you live because if you live in a city you still have a community of friends you know or yes Right, or where you work, it's mm-hmm. the people at the office, you know? And it is, it's that fear of, of, of being rejected. The fear of not being accepted, not being loved. And nobody wants to experience that. So instead of putting themselves out there, they end up retracting in their life, and then they literally stop living their life. Is there any way to prevent this from happening when you raise children and to prepare them? Mm, yes, I love this question as well. Carol, you're good. Um, <laughs> I get a gold star. You do get a gold star. <laughs> I feel that raising children to be confident about the choices that they make is paramount. Right? Parents um, sometimes parent with a very stern, like, these are the clothes you're wearing today, and this is what we're eating for supper, and these are the shows that we're going to watch, and this is where we're going today. And the child doesn't get comfortable making a decision and then living by that decision. So not everybody's going to like the decisions that you make. Not everybody's going to be on board. Not everybody's going to understand why you chose that or why you're doing the things that you're doing. But if you can raise your child to be confident with the decisions and the choices that they're making and they're not making these decisions to fit in but to be their own individual self, gives them to me a very big head start on this subject because now they're they're um confident and secure in their own right and they're not going to be swayed so much by the opinions thoughts and criticism of other people because it will happen but it could help them to not sway so much I think that balance is the key there, isn't it? Because you can go one to one extreme or the other as well, which we certainly see and and society bears that out when parents let kids make all their own decisions. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but here's the thing. Here's okay. the thing, Carol. Yes, they like um, they let their child make their own decisions, but they don't let them go through the consequence of that of, of following through on their choice. So if they chose to, let's say, I don't know, drink and drive and get a ticket, they can get them off that ticket. Or if they made a decision to um, take a certain path and they'll bail them out. 
Right. And right. it's like there's nothing wrong with making a choice, you know, and having a consequence because that's how we learn. Oh, that's right. That's how that's maybe not what I want to do. So they're learning that information for themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's important to let them, you know, if you chose the vanilla ice cream instead of chocolate for dessert, well, that's what you're going to eat. You can't, you can't just, well, I don't like that. So now I want this one. Well, I don't like that. So I want this one. It's like, well, no, you chose this. So it mm-hmm. teaches them to learn with what they what they choose. Good, good. And also, like, that's the, the consequence of that decision. Well stated. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit here because I want you to share with the audience what particular incident motivated you to quit your job and to write a book. <gasps> okay, well... <laughs> And again, this was totally unexpected. Um, I did not see this coming, which, again, that is a theme in life. Nobody expects, I mean, we never know when someone's going to die or when we're going to lose a job or, we're, you know, we, we don't plan on getting a divorce. So life is doing life. Life always gives us a surprise. So it does help us to know that that is just the way it is. For me, I've always wanted to write a book. I've probably started 17 different times, 17 different <laughs> books. You know, one day, that was my favorite, everybody's famous saying, right? One day, I'm gonna write a book. So my father happened to be on his deathbed and I was uh, helping to caretake for him. I had actually moved in with my parents and I was helping to take care of my father. We had some very intimate, open and honest conversations during his last um, you know, little while. And I asked him a question. And I said, Dad, do you have any regrets? Is there anything that you wish you would have done that didn't get done? And he said, you know, I've always, always wanted to write a book. And I just didn't get it done. Carol, I just felt this thing inside of me. I felt this hit of energy. Something just grabbed a hold of me on the inside. And I broke down in tears. And I made a solemn promise to my father that I would not die without writing a book I said I I'm gonna write that book dad a couple days later um, I was introduced to this company that helps people write books the author's way and again it grabbed me I thought well this is interesting I had another friend send me the same link and then another friend and I thought all right all right maybe I could just start scribbling some things down and start writing a book well no it was full-fledged it's like Let's just go hard. Let's just get at it. Let's get this book written and do it. And it was like this energy overtook me. I started writing. I was done the book within nine weeks. <laughs> um, had it up on Amazon. Went to the printers, and the printed copy just came out last week. And my father oh, just you're passed kidding. away. Oh my goodness! Yeah, my father just passed away in January, and the book is already in my hand ten months later. You're so a powerhouse. Then, well, you know I, when. When the energy hits you like that, for me, my experience is like I, I, I take heed of that and I listen and I just knew it was meant to be done and there wasn't anything that was going to to stop me. And so I've been a life coach for 12 years, but I've never had it just as my main practice. I always had something on the side and I just felt, you know what, there are programs and so many things that I have to offer. I just wanted to devote my life mm. to, to being a life coach. So I quit. I was a financial advisor. I was mutually fund licensed and I had to quit because it was a conflict of interest. But I just said, nope, that's what I'm doing. I gave in my resignation and started coaching full time and writing my book. Now tell us about your book. Tell you about my book, Small Town Divorce. (laughs) There's an eight step process. So I do offer 
tools and techniques in the book to help people navigate um, their way through a process like this or a challenge like this. So it's really not just about divorce. I do give a little bit about my story and the dynamics of a small town, but there's all sorts of things that are happening, right? There's the emotional stuff, the thought processes, the fear of the unknown, the willingness to be vulnerable, you know, the hard conversations that need to be had. The feedback that I'm getting, Carol, from the book is that it it's not just it's not a book just for people who've been through a divorce. Mm-hmm. It's any major life change or challenge that you're going through. People will be able to find something in the book that would, um, that they could actually use in their life to help them to help them through that process. As far as being a life coach, what have you discovered to be that commonality that in I, I love the way you worded this that imprisons people from living life to their fullest potential? Yeah. Well, you know what? While we're on the subject, um, what I am finding is again it it could be phrased maybe several different ways but when we when it comes down to it and we sift it all through it's you know it's that fear of what other people are going to think and then we right and then we fear that that rejection that you know whatever ill thoughts they're they're gonna think about us so even to say doing a facebook live right so I'm you know I help clients do all sorts of different things in their life and and overcome different obstacles but it's so it's this obstacle say they want to have a deeper conversation with their spouse it's like all this fear comes up this the fear of the unknown is so key it's the fear of the unknown people want to do things where they know what the outcome is going to be it's like can you just give me a formula Mm -hmm, or a recipe mm -hmm. Right? We love following recipes because I know if I follow this recipe, I'm going to get a chocolate cake at the end of it. Right? Right. It's knowing these are the ingredients. This is how long I need to bake it. I'm going to get a chocolate cake. But most of life really is about learning to be comfortable with the unknown. You don't need to have this script or everything written out or prescribed for you before this moment um, arrives and you're going to be okay in this moment. Everybody wants to kind of have things planned out, organized, but this fear of the unknown, right? This fear. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even going into this interview, I don't know what questions you're going to completely ask me. I don't know how this interview is going to go. So people would say no to this opportunity because the fear of the unknown is just cheap. So if I stand up to my adversaries in this, my small town, I don't know what they're going to, is it going to become worse? Are they going to say worse things about me? Mm-hmm. Is it going to make my life, you know, mm-hmm. do I even say it? So then that fear of the unknown has them retreat and again, just completely shut down. And then they, they're not putting themselves out there to live the best life that they can and really express their passion and their intelligence and their creativity that really sets their life on fire and makes them live a life of passion. Now, there are certainly different types of personalities when you're coaching people or, or as you're talking here and telling and what you're suggesting that people do. Depending upon the person's personality, this is more difficult for some than it is for others. Could you maybe share where someone could get that motivation, that passion that you speak of when they are not that type of personality at all? Yes. Okay. So passion can be 
So I'm a very, um, like my personality, I'm very energetic, right? I express myself very well. Um, the passion literally pours out of me. <laughs> I'm not sure if you picked up on that or not. No, not at all. I'm actually talking with my hands as I speak. <laughs> I, so I want to stand up and, yeah. <laughs> Do you talk to the TV too when it's on? Oh, I talk to the TV. Okay. I talk to the birds flying by. I talk by, to myself all the time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, but here's the thing about passion. Passion isn't just about um, an overtly um, outward expression of something. Mm. You can be passionate about knitting. You can be passionate about um, taking a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, this, this energy. You, so I'm just calling it like an energy. But how that actually gets expressed out of you there's a maraud of different ways that that could happen. So just taking a stroll in the park or by the lake or watching the sunset, that can feel like kind of a passive thing to do, but it can invoke a connection, um, a joy, a pleasure inside of you that doesn't necessarily have to come out as this like, oh my God, I just feel so good. It can be this calming connection. And you know what? I like that word the best, actually. Whenever I'm asked, you know, why do you do what you do? I just love connection. When we lose our connection mm-hmm. to ourselves, to nature, or to um, a higher power, that is where I feel a lot of those negative thoughts can come in and that downward spiral and kind of heading into a dark place. And I think the way society is right now with all the technology, I mean, lots of times we're not even talking on the phone, right. just sending a text and we're not really reaching out and connecting to people. You know, I, I love going to a coffee shop and just talking to, to complete strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's the thing, Carol, people are craving it. Yes, I agree. I t- I'm the same personality like in a grocery store or any number of places. You just find something that, and people are very often are surprised, especially if you can joke with them and put them at ease immediately, you know. Like, exactly. you're not really buying that, are you? you know? <laughs> and they're like, why? What's wrong? You know. Like you're buying three watermelons? Yeah. Oh, my God. Exactly. And, you know, that's all part of communication. And you never know. Sometimes they ask you for your business card, depending upon where the conversation goes. So every, everything is an opportunity. I love that you said that. It is. Everything is an opportunity. And you know what? I do want to encourage people. And you know what? I do, I do just want to address one thing that I am really good at is um, is helping people go beyond their comfort zone. Oh, yes. So everybody has their own pace at which they do it. But I'm the type of coach where I really do um, hold a space for you to take like big steps outside of your comfort zone because that's where I know that forward moment com- forward momentum comes. That's where in order to live the life you want to live, I, I, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You can't just keep doing the same thing. Yes. If you keep doing the same thing you're doing, you're just going to keep, keep getting the same life. And your life may not necessarily be horrible, but it could be better. You could be making an even greater contribution. You could be experiencing even more greater joy or greater love or greater pleasure. So I always say, why wouldn't you want that? Well, that leads me to my actually my final question and that is what services do you offer 
Ah, well, so I do offer um, one-on-one um, coaching. I have a coaching program. I have different packages and stuff that I offer. I offer group coaching as well. I do public speaking. So uh, corporations and businesses that are looking for someone to come in that does uh, motivational and inspirational speaking, I do as well. And yeah, I just, I have a variety of different programs. Like you said, there's different personalities. So I, I tweak my, my programs to have a fit for the people that, you know, depending on what it is that they want. And the best place that people can reach you? On my website. So www.deniseanderson.net. Your book is available, obviously, on Amazon. Well, it is but carol what i wanted to do today is i wanted to actually offer your listeners today a free copy of my book okay and how do yes. they how would they get that then they just need to go to my website drop me a little note send me their um their name and their email and i will um send that out to them oh that's incredible i really appreciate that and i'm sure that my audience will take advantage of that awesome. so is there anything else that you would like to say to summarize what you've already shared. I do want to say that wherever you are on your journey, maybe you are in the throes of a divorce, maybe you've just lost your job, or you are going through some type of challenge, and you're not in a great space, and you know that there is a better place for you to be at, I do encourage you to reach out because I have of the, am of the belief that there isn't anything that we can't overcome. I know that my story is certainly not one of the most dramatic stories out there. I mean, I've had other things that have gone on in my life, but people are overcoming insurmountable, insurmountable things. And I know that you have it in you as well. And it's no small thing to be able to, um, you know, hold your head high, stand up to your adversaries, learn to not allow the opinions and criticisms of other people to affect you or sway you. And when you get to that point, you literally become unstoppable. And there really isn't anything that you can't accomplish or do that you desire to do. And my hope and my wish for all people is to live the life that they truly desire to live and really become the greatest version of themselves that they know that is inside of them. That is my hope. And that is an excellent way to surmise. I thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. You have been a great guest. You have certainly motivated me. And I know you have motivated and inspired my audience. So thank you, Denise, for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. And we look forward to your next book. My pleasure. And thank you. Yes, there will be another book. (laughs) And bye-bye. Thank you, Carol. Bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.